the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 79, recorded Friday, February 22nd, 2013. Klein Tools. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. Welcome. Thank you so much uh, for joining us for downloading and or streaming, depending on what you're doing with your computer right now. Uh, with us this week is Mr. Bill Brown. He is the Client Technology Advocate at BD Brown Communications. Welcome, sir. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, also with us is Mr. George Tucker, uh, the engineering coordinator at World Stage in New York. How are you, sir? In New York, New York. Hello, everybody. Yay! Yay! Uh, this week we're going to talk a little bit about HDMI and HDCP because it's all evil uh, and, a, and a plot to take over the world. Uh, Red is suing Sony because you know they're the ones who invented 4K. At least I think they think they did. They, they, at least I think they think they did. Um, and a story from the BBC, which kind of made my heart warm when George sent it to me. Have 3D films had their day? But first, uh, from Fort Mills Times, the Crestron people, guys over in New Jersey way, uh, they're introducing, uh, not introducing, they're taking uh, Microsoft Link and um, they're taking it to the conference room. Um, here's the thing that with, with Link specifically, Link is being used by an awful lot of guys. Um, nowadays, especially in the world of AV, um, you've got uh, telecommunications and, and video conference guys who are using it to plug into and kind of get onto already existing um, link systems. Uh, George, is this is this a natural progression? Is this something that that didn't surprise you, or was this kind of a left hand turn for Crestron? Well, I don't think it surprised me per se, um, but it is a very chancy thing. I mean, you've got this. Very consumer-oriented. Yeah, I know it's made for. I was gonna say, don't, don't, don't consumerish because it's you know it, it's it's an enterprise product, right? Yeah, no, I was backtracking on myself there a little no, bit, sorry. but it is using things like Skype. Yeah, it is using certain platforms that were not really commercial grade or commercial oriented, and sort of combining them into a commercial product. I guess as it were. I you know I kind of I, I I it took me a long time in thinking about it, but I kind of like the idea. It's a very quick setup, and they're using a dedicated touchscreen. Yay, look, there's a reason for dedicated touchscreens um, in, in a commercial environment to set up quickly and go. I think it's a really chancy thing, but I, I believe that it will be very good for them. Uh, Bill, is, are, is that George Wright? This is kind of good for Crestron to do. Polycom is, is another company uh, that has tied into and is using Link uh, an awful lot to do kind of this thing only on the video conferencing side where they're bringing in stuff like Skype and Google Talk. Uh, is this a good step for Crestron maybe? Yes, I in in some cases I kind of made the assumption that they would have been here sooner or and I didn't know about it. And so this seems like an obvious 
an obvious thing for them from from my standpoint. It just if they are they want to have that holistic room approach of you know Crestron, we can handle it all. I think uh, a couple months ago they're they're looking at the lights and the blinds and you know and and doing that. So the more that they um, help the end user really have that seamless understanding of of that Microsoft um, product, I think it makes more sense. And it's kind of you know what's taken them so long to get here. Okay, l- let me ask you one thing on on that, Bill. Though uh, I, I understand the whole idea, Crestron can do it all. I get that. I understand that. Sometimes I'm not quite sure with that, though. Um, right. A couple months ago, they they released the shades things, and I I I made you know I I made my bones about that one at right. the time. This week, uh, I didn't put this in the in the show notes because I actually just thought of it. They released uh, or had another press release on Crestron speakers. Um, is there a point where they should, when they shouldn't do stuff? I mean, and I'm just asking you, you know, just kind of somewhat tongue in cheek, but also in, in, you know, seriousness, um, should they stop at maybe projectors and screens? I don't know. I, th- I think they should stop at projectors and screen. And I did see the, the speakers and I was like, no, no. Um, it is the control aspect, the smart room, the seamless connections um, that's what they're known for and I think for the most part they do that very well and they are starting to when they get into the the speakers and the other things it it kind of they lose their their message and I and I think when you when you look at the the speakers they're losing focus it they're losing focus yeah, I, I don't know if I actually agree. Um, they've had speakers for quite a while, actually. I think they introduced a line of speakers with one of their audio lines about three years ago, mm-hmm. maybe four. Um, and while I don't think they're looking, shooting to be the home theater ultimate speaker system, I do think that they're looking to fulfill the niche of the media room. And here's part of the thing. I believe that people have been asking them for this kind of product because they want that one vendor, one stop shop, not just for the gear, but when there's a problem, they want to be able to call qualified people and get an answer. And there's a market for this kind of sort of mid-range, and I think I mean that both price-wise and audio-wise, Very um, nice. <laughs> mid-range install of a media room, of a corporate office, of a sort of fill for a lobby. These things will work for that. And I, I, and I, and I see Bill's point that they're losing focus, or it could seem like they're losing focus, but I think they're responding to an actual demand. Well, I think it's it's more of not just looking for one vendor or one, in some cases, one person to blame. Um, <laughs> it is it is more of I th- I think the end users are screaming out to our industry, play nice, work together. Y- you know, we want to to basically have some ownership of. The technology that we bring into our organization and if you guys create standards or if you guys create protocols it will make it easier so we don't have to go to one vendor but because you don't um, play nice now I'm in some cases stuck with a Crestron to do everything because they do this well so let's try to do it 
let's try to make them do it all. You know, let, let me turn that on this head and then ask both of you guys. There are speaker companies or audio companies that are putting out controllers for their speakers, which are slowly turning into automation systems. Mm -hmm. Are we making the argument on them as well to not go into that because they don't do it so well or because they shouldn't be in that arena? There's a lot of pressure, I think, both vertically and horizontally in these product lines where everybody's sort of crossing over and there's really no going back. Well, and the thing about that is you, you've got – you have companies who – okay, so there are core competencies, right? And one thing that Crestron obviously has done well for many, many years is control. And a few years ago, and, and I say a few, more than a few years ago, um, they started doing video over Twisted Pair. It was called mm -hmm. Quick Media, and, and, the, and they moved on from there. And that has developed into DM, which is digital media. And so they've gotten gotten into the the AV side, I guess, um, of the industry rather than the, than the control side. However, I I don't know that just because you make a good speaker means you can make a good control system. And conversely, I don't think the opposite is true either. So whether that is um, you know Biamp and, and them making controllers for their you know Tessera. Or it's Crestron making speakers. I don't know that either one is a natural fit. Now, if they make them and they sound great, great, you know that, that's that's awesome. Um, but I think that we're in a, in a in a point in this industry, especially when it comes to control, and everything's moving to IP, and and, and there are just some some things here that uh, I'd love to have their focus on on that, and let's get that figured out instead of giving me you know a pair of of, of four inch speakers. You know, I, I hear you. I, I do. And I wonder if it's a, um, I don't want to say a straw man in the argument, but I, I wonder if that's sort of a, a misnomer to say if they only dedicated those engineers working the speakers to this problem that I think is their core issue right now, yeah, uh, they may would be better. But it's not true because they subdivide so discreetly. And they that, may be OEMing them too. I mean, I have no idea. I didn't I didn't go into the, the specifics of, yeah. of the, the press release that much. I just saw the, saw the, <laughs> the speakers again. So and something else that they do and, and Xtron both does and I, I have a I don't know why I'm getting off on this. Um these stupid lanyard microphones. Have you seen these? Yes. No. Oh my gosh, those are horrible. I mean it looks like it, it honestly, it looks like the first like lapel mic I ever saw, which is basically, you know, a microphone with a string through it and you hang it over your over Oh your neck. those. Oh yes. my gosh. Yeah, I'm and not the, sure. It reminds the, me of the very 1950s mics that yes. used to have the hand, the handless. Um, yeah. What was it? The the Yamaha <laughs> the uh, the Yamaha uh, guide to mixing. Uh, yeah, the 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 guide to mixing. That that this was written originally in like the 70s or the, or the 80s, and that was <laughs> one of the 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 uh, lapel mics that they were showing in there. So I don't know. I don't get it. All right, let's talk about lawsuits, shall we? Um, something that we've talked about on this show and, and actually a couple of specials that we produced um, is 4K. And 4K has been around for quite a while. Um, and, and, now it's, and it's been around for so long, in fact, that, that people are moving on to 8K now. Uh, but one of, the first, this, one of the first cameras to come out was the RED, right? And it was, it was nice and it was small. And I think the entry-level price uh, a couple of years ago was about $14,000, $15,000 uh, for the body. And then you bought the, you bought the glass. Well, um, Sony being Sony, and I'm not saying that they did anything wrong by any stretch of the imagination here, uh, but they have gotten into the 4K 
um, the 4K business. And actually, they've also gotten to the 8K as well. So much so, in fact, that Red is suing them now <laughs> over some patents uh, that have been disputed. Um, Bill, is this, is this kind of just the technology itself uh, developing and maturing and um, we're at that point, the, the 4K is at that maturity level where people who have been doing it for years are going to start slapping people with lawsuits um, because, hey, you know what, dude, I've been doing this for 10 years and you're just now stepping up to the thing and, and you're using my patent over there. You know, at, at first I was, you know, just laughing at even, you know, consider you know, this lawsuit here. And I don't think it's mature enough. Um, I think I, I think for Sony to, to get in, I, I thought that, you know, you want as many players so you can differentiate yourself from, from the next. And I mean, the one point that they made that, um, you know, our customers have uh, invested in our technology. It's not your technology. You know, um, <laughs> it's just what, what are you talking about? And so it is. It is that type of thing that do they? Does Red think that? Okay, we were first, so nobody else could possibly thinking about doing this. Yes, that's I, exactly. I, <laughs> it's just like crazy. I just don't. I I really don't understand. But there is there is a lot uh, more maturing needs to go, and I think the only way that the technology can mature is players get in and and uh fine-tune it george bill makes a good point you know the the one thing about you know capitalism and, and the way that that this whole thing works is the more people you have in it and and making um making headway with it is you know you you've got sometimes some people's patents may get stepped on a little bit um and sometimes it's just the technology itself that everybody's using um, so does Red maybe have a case here, and, or are they just, you know, they're just ticked off because everybody's in their sandbox now? I think the answer to that question is yes. Um, all of the above. Uh, see, the, the problem I have here is how far did they step on it? That's the question. I think it's, a, it's an issue of degrees, isn't it? Did they completely wholesale, you know, steal, quote-unquote, the technology that implement, implements this specific cause or this specific uh, issue? If that's true, then I think Red has a case, and they have to say, hey, look, license it for goodness sakes. We're happy to give it to you. We're not going to keep it away from you, but you're going to have to pay for it. But if it's like Bill says, and you say that, they're not really – they're just sort of implementing one version of it, like say, I don't know, FM synthesis. <laughs> I know they don't use that in these cameras, but let's say they're using that so many years later. No, that's, that, that's not something I could see them doing. Um, I think they have a slight case here if they can prove it. I haven't seen any of the technical – mishmash and documentation to tell me yes this is actually what they use and here's exactly how they copied my chip um but red does have uh, quite a notorious reputation for really bringing the hammer down on people monster cable like uh, i think they went after the what the rental industry f for a number of years saying you can't rent these cameras it's purchase only we will not allow the leasing of them which really sort of stymied an entire industry well, it did, and it was somewhat um, archaic, honestly. I mean, this is, and this is going back some. Um, those of you guys who have been in lighting for, for a number of years, uh, we remember some of the very first intelligent, quote-unquote, lighting. Uh, it was called Very Light. And at Very Light, you could not purchase them, actually. It was the opposite of this. You couldn't purchase them. You had to lease them. 
uh, from the company. And uh, not only that, but you also had to lease an operator. So for a number of years, it yeah. was like, uh, do you remember these, George? Yeah. You do? Yeah. I, yeah, it was where you, you, you had to um, basically rent these, these wonderful lights at the time. I mean, this is in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, and they did some incredible things for the time. Nowadays, my phone does the same thing, but um, you know, you but but they had such a lockdown on the technology that they would not sell you. Uh, they they did nothing but leasing, and it was you know it was it was a pretty penny to to get a rig of them. So, yeah, Fairy Lights had that history as as well. That you know, no, only these certain operators. No, you can't learn it. You yeah, know, I don't know how restrictive they are these days. It's a little less so, but they were very tight on it. Well, they almost have to be now. I mean, not to get into lighting, but it, that mm. what they did, what they did twenty years ago, we're doing with you know any number of cans and and um, and uh, and lights using LEDs and in a in a right. DMX board. Um, true, honestly, true. that's pretty much it. Uh, they, they just so in case you didn't know, very lights you could do some moving stuff and also uh, color uh, changing on the fly, which in the early nineties was was revolutionary. So right. well, yeah. Hugely, hugely, and they made you pay for it too. So, um, all right, let's get into some wonderful. My, my one of my favorite things in the whole wide world right now is HDCP, and I don't know why. I think I have a problem. Um, I've read every single uh, instance of the HDMI consortium's um, releases and all this other jazz, just because I have an issue with them, um, and I have an issue with HDCP in general. I get. Believe me, I get wanting to protect what you create. Good Lord, we do this on a weekly basis, and I don't want nobody, you know, slapping us on their on their website and you know selling ads to it uh, without giving us something. But you know, so I, I get the whole, you know, uh, keeping what you make and 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 all that jazz. But when it comes to slapping, you know, uh, draconian um, things in, into uh, onto video streams and making our jobs a little more difficult. And we're not trying to steal it. We're just trying to put your image, you know, 15 different places. Um, that's that's the issues that I'm having with, with HDCP. So uh, along comes a website called Hackaday. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, here's this really cool thing that lets you... Um, I'm not going to say break the HDCP keys i'm going to say let you find out what they are um mm-hmm. it's an informative yes for educational purposes only now george the problem what, the one problem i have with this and again this goes back to me reading every freaking thing that hdmi consortium sends out you are just a fun guy is the uh, you know what this is what i do for <laughs> yeah this is my friday nights uh actually i have the 4.1 uh thing to do tonight um is the blacklist right um Mm. The one one piece of armor, the one shield that the HDMI guys have is that wonderful blacklist. So here's a piece of equipment that will let you circumnavigate the HDCP da, 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 um, until the next um, um, revision goes out and mm-hmm. they get slapped on the blacklist. Um, are we getting to a point where, you know what, guys like... Um, let's use AMX and, and Crestron for a second because they're the two, in my opinion, um, the two that are handling um, digital video rather well and, and HDCP rather well. Are we getting to a point where we need to have or we need to, to lobby this this group, uh, the HDMI consortium, for a pro standard that says, you know what, 
here's AMX. Here's Crestron. They're going to play by your rules. They're going to do what you want them to do. Just give them the ability to send this multiple places, and we'll pay them for the opportunity to do so. I think there should be, yes. But you know what? There's also early on when DM was first coming out, I remember hearing from other manufacturers, you don't need those keys. You don't need to worry about it. Our device just ignores it. It just, And basically what they were saying without saying it was they just confused the living hoo-ha out of the HTCP stuff and said, yeah, yeah, you're fine. Here's your thing back. You're fine. And then just would distribute the signal on without any concern. But that's against the code of conduct and the, and the, the protocol. The rules. But yeah. they would do it. Yeah, it was against the rules. Um, I don't know how much they've tightened it up in recent years, you know, saying, no, 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 you have to do that. But I know for sure that HDMI, uh, the organization, was sort of looking the other way for a while. Like, yeah, yeah, um, we know it's not really going to be that successful, though. But, you know, they're getting it out there, so that's okay. Um, I absolutely agree. There should be a pro version. But I also think that they're really fighting a losing battle. Another two or three years, you're going to have somebody who can have a box like this, and it's going to automatically, like, uh, automatically setting up Wi-Fi. You just push the button or turn on your computer, you're connected. It's going to do that. It's going to find out the black keys, say, yeah, that can't be used anymore. Decode, there you go, here it is, boom. I mean, how long, I know there's billions and billions of keys that they can blacklist, but how long? How long before you just pop it in? I mean, are you going to send a magic bullet down it like these supposed cable companies do to, to, to kill the uh, illegal cable boxes in the day of yore? It just is becoming a losing battle for anyone when you're doing encryption like this. So you're saying that these little blacklists are nothing more than, than kind of a whack-a-mole type, you know, where they're yeah. like, you know, you, 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 and you. Yeah. I mean, right. another couple of years, you integrate all of this stuff into one little box. I mean, how much is that little – he uses um, – uh, what is he using for an oscilloscope here to get into this thing? And besides his whack, he's doing the uh, USB, the USB mm-hmm. stuff. Those are fairly pricey but not extraordinary. extraordinary. Oh, extraordinary. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's a new mouth. I'm, I'm getting used to it. Um, but they're not that expensive. And nor is the software. And integrating that, to me, seems like a fairly straightforward thing to do into a little box over the next year or two. Okay, so let me ask you this. And, and this, is, this is where uh, I'll play devil's advocate because I'm, I'm I, I, honestly in, in agreement with you because you know, I, I get you know, that it's, it's going to be where it's going to be more time-consuming than it's going to be worth. Does there come a point, though, when people need to either just accept the fact that these are some of the controls that we have and these are some of the of the uh, constraints that we have to have the content at, at the price, or um, are we just going to continue to pay a higher premium on, on stuff that's, that's unlocked down, that's not locked down, and if we don't mind it being locked down and only want to watch it on one screen or two, then we get to pay a cheaper price. Is that where we're headed? I know. I, I suppose it's possible. Um, a two-tier <laughs> or multi-tier system, yeah. which seems unwieldy to actually manage in reality. But sure, is it a possibility? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't actually know the answer to this, but I can just tell you what I see coming down the pipe. And if you can do this, and guy can do it by himself, even yeah. though he's fairly smart, doesn't take much longer for it to get out there to others who can create a box that doesn't pull you with a push of a button. Or he could just make it and sell it like, uh, you know, uh, Jobs is in, in Wozniak's black box. That, exactly, you know, the yeah. blue box, black yeah, box. Blue yeah, box. Exactly. Uh, Bill, are we at a, a point where we need to get, or at least um, lobby these guys, uh, lobby the HDMI consortium to get a pro version of HDMI? I, I think so. It's, 
you know, for for me, it's like, is this a good use of our time and, um, I guess, intelligence? Uh, um, it's in, in in some cases, you understand the need for protection, um, but in some cases, when you have um, devices and end users that they they want. Um, uh, these displays to do a number of different things. You're just making it he um, difficult um, for us to to achieve that goal, and and then because of the mentality of the AV professional, it's like, okay, I can't do this. Give me some time. I'll figure it out, and I'm gonna make it happen. Um, and 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 so the more that they understand that. At the end, we're trying to help our end users. We're trying to be the the AV professionals or the technology professionals that our end users need us to be. How can we protect and serve? Let's let's use that, <laughs> and you know, um, and and you know, at the same time, and not waste our time, you know, trying to hack it or work around or break rules and and do all. Um, spend all that time to to do that, to uh, and and you know, and in some cases, kind of miss the whole point. So it's just, um, like I said, it's it's just we're going to figure out. You as soon as you a roadblock comes in, or someone says you can't do it, there are people that are smart enough to figure out. I'm I'm going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Usually, they're thirteen years old. Right, <laughs> and it, you know, and then it's like we could have spent more time really thinking forward than than dealing with this. That's, I guess, that's how I see it. No, it makes sense. It makes sense that we, instead of instead of wasting our our time and our energy doing that, you know, we could be doing other things. So. Um, all right, you are listening to AV Week. That gentleman right there is Mr. Bill Brown. Uh, and across the way is uh, is George Tucker. Um, this comes to us from our buddies over at uh, EH Pub, or uh, yeah, EH Pub Electronic House uh, is the name of the uh, name of the website. Is it time to tune up your home theater? And what's what's interesting is some of the stuff that they're that they're talking about. Some of it's audio tuning and, and changing some of the settings. Some of this though is things uh, are, are things that people probably have never done. Uh, unless you either had somebody do it or you're guys like us who who did it ourselves. Um, Bill, is this something where is this can we take something like an article like this and um, people who are integrators and, and do this for for residential, take this to their customers and say, look, you know if, if we've never done this or we haven't done this in a while, here's something that we might want to consider whether it's making sure that Everything is set up to spit out 1080p, or, or at least the highest resolution. Maybe not 1080p, but um, at least as high of a res- resolution as we can get. Making sure that audio, all the audio devices are, are working properly, and you know, if it if it stuff needs to be on the network, uh, it is. Yeah, th- um, this was something I I chuckled when I when I read this because I um, wanted to take it to um, uh, Mrs. Brown and say, see. It's not just me. <laughs> we need to do this, and oh, wow. it, and and I I think it is, um, it is a, a starting point, and because uh, you know a, a couple of clients that um, 
I kind of let know that, hey, you know, take a look at this article. This is kind of interesting. And, you know, and they were saying, you know, how much is that going to cost me? <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, the first, you know, the first thing. But it's just something to consider that, um, you know, when you operate from, you know, it's not a problem until it's a problem. Um, and when it's a problem, it's too late. Um, let's look at, you know, at this model of, of checking, doing that, that checkup. And, and now that if you want, you know, to, you know, to be the, the house or the, the organization that's state of the art or, or whatever, if you don't want to lose your cred, you want to look at all of the, all the things that are happening and that, and where you are. And I, and I, and I think this is a, a, a good place to start. Um, George, one thing in the world of education, which is where I spend most of my time, um, we have something called preventive maintenance. And this is, you know what? You don't chuckle. We do. I swear we do. Every three or four years, we do some PM. Uh, this is uh, this checklist, though, reminds me of that. And it seems something like uh, our buddies that do residential. This seems like PM um, for residential, is it? Yeah, I think you're right. Exactly. Um, and I like it even so much that, first of all, they, some of the things they say are right. Eh, they're pushing a few things like, um, you know, your your speaker drivers may be a little more elastic than they were when you first bought them. Okay, that might be true. Whether or not an average person would hear it, I don't know. But um, I like this in the sense that there's two things that make it work. One, you get to have someone come in, clean it up, and see if there's anything that needs to be done, so long as you trust them, right? Hey, I'm not going to find something miscellaneous like, you know, your carburetor's uh, <laughs> not working as the way it should. The car doesn't have a carburetor. Oh, but it's still the carburetor. Um, <laughs> is that you get in and you make sure that your system is running nicely. So with the, vi with the video, with the projector, you know it's focused. You know it's aligned. You know it's tweaked to its best effect. But what I like from a dealer's point of view is this sort of managed services, this little... Hey, I'm going to come in to do this service call. You really should tune up a little bit, and I'm going to make sure that you can, you know, your, your resolutions are correct you, and all this stuff. But it also allows you to come in with maybe a little pamphlet, maybe with a demo piece you've had from one of the manufacturers. You finish up, you go, oh, you know, by the way, you know, it's sort of like the, the mechanic when he's wiping his hands with the grease saying, you know, there's this new, uh, there's this new fuel injector to make this car really go. <laughs> and you can show it to him, you know, right? And say, hey, just take a look at it. It's pretty cool. I want your thought on it. I don't want, you know, I'm not selling it to you. I want to know what you would think of it so I can fe give feedback to the company. It's a great way of getting in. Some might, some uh, more jaded people, <coughs> me, um, would say that it's a Trojan horse, but it's still a way in to say, hey, we haven't talked in a while. Let me show you some new stuff and I'm going to maximize what you got now. So is this one of those things where um, you go into, you know, my in-laws who still have all analog gear, albeit mm -hmm. it's it was nice when they purchased it, and they're technically, um, as actually, no, as of the, the analog sunset, they're not spitting uh, 1080p anymore or, or 720. Um, they, uh, you, you would go into them and say, hey, you know, you, you, here, here's some things, and uh, we'll clean up your, your display and make sure everything's all nice and focused on everything. Oh, by the way, you know, here's some digital things to, to get you up to the latest, greatest thing. So, Yeah, sort of. It, and, and once they see it, they'll never go back. No. It's like giving you the car for the weekend, you know. <laughs> right. And I think that there's a fine line between this becoming an upsell moment than um, what you said, a preventative maintenance uh, type of proposition here. And, and I think some, 
the, the skeptics are out there to think, okay, you're trying to sell me one more thing, um, and I really don't need need this. And so how can we as professionals in either in the higher ed space or in the um, uh, residential space really um, take care of the, the, the end user and our clients to, to make sure that they have what they the, uh, what they want and, and the expectations that they have for the technologies that they, they have well, to Bill, enjoy. Bill, that's a really good point. So let me ask you this. Um, is is this then um, because it's because it's such a good time to attempt to sell uh, and attempt to get people upgraded to stuff? Do we then not charge for this? Is that something where you would you would advise? Uh, again, goes back to the the two most you know the the one most prevalent <laughs> resi guy I have is is our buddy Matt Scott, uh, who does all of our graphics and does a very fine job. Um, is that where you would say, hey, you know what? Look, go through your books once every five or six years, and start making some some calls again, saying, hey, you know what? It's been a huge since I've been out there. Can I come by and make sure that the system is still operating at peak capacity for free, and at that same time um, show you some new stuff? Or is it something where you would walk it? You would you would start the conversation, or somewhere in the conversation, you would mention that there's a charge for this. Right. I think I think is and and I try to to do in some of my with with all of my clients, but some some opportunities where it's a more of an an eyes wide open. This is what you have. I'm not I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but here here you know this is what you're getting out of your projector. Yeah. This is what you're getting out of your speakers. If you want more, <laughs> more is going you know, <laughs> you know more is going to cost you this. But now you know. Um, and that type of thing. So it can be that opportunity. I think the challenge um, that I that I have um, and that I see is there are so many. Um, let's just say there's a wide range of professionals out there, um, and it can be uh, people can be told almost anything. And so the more that we're able to. Um, have some type of standards or best practice so people can understand um, you don't have a competitor going in and scaring the holy bejesus out of people um, and then you and, and then you have to deal with no 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 <laughs> you know um, now you have to um, it could cost something it's not going to cost anything and it's just it just gets ugly um, so I, I think there's an opportunity for it to be a courtesy call and to make sure and make people aware and give them opportunities to improve. But at the same time, you know, how's, how's that relationship and how, you know, what type of professionals, uh, quote unquote, are they, you know, have access to to make those decisions it's all crap and needs to be replaced right now <laughs> i don't know who sold you this stuff but geez. i don't know <laughs> some guy named george it's always well, his fault always his fault. all right um from my buddies over at ce pro the nine must have tools for working with electrical wiring oh yeah number 10 is the number to an electrician <laughs> which, which is my number one tool uh, George, let's be a frank here. I mean, th there are, first of all, there are union uh, considerations. There are uh, local uh, code considerations. But in general, I mean, there, there's, um, 
you know, we, we deal with low voltage stuff all the time, and but there's still voltage, in, you know, in, you know, involved in in this. Uh, is this a good list that that Jason's put together, um, or is there something maybe that he uh, may may have overlooked? No, I think he's got most of it down right there. I mean, look, you've got a multimeter, you've got your sort of um, to be able to to, to to see if there's continuity. Mm-hmm. My problem is, look, if you're not carrying at least nine of these ten tools with you when you go to any of your sites. What are you doing? <laughs> right. I mean, seriously, because it's like a guy going in to, to, to go look at Ethernet or a network and not having a laptop with him. Or at minimum, a LAN tester. Mm-hmm. You're going in, you're going to have to troubleshoot stuff. All of these control systems and all the audio stuff, 90% of it's using screw terminals. 90% of it's got a power source. <laughs> you know, you've got to be able to test this stuff to to go through your process and say, what is wrong? Let me go through the possibilities one by one as I'm supposed to normally do in my pro- procedure and figure it out. And if you have to fix something, you should be able to do it. Are you just going to show up to some guy going, well, the audio is kind of creaky and it goes in and out every so often. Oh, yeah, you've got a loose wire here. I'll send a guy in two days. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, come on. We're not the cable company. Um, oh, I said that out loud. Gosh, um, <laughs> I usually just think that part. But you know, when we were working on some training stuff, one of the things that we had to teach dealers, we didn't want to, and everybody resisted putting it into the uh, into the the syllabus, was what you should need to carry as a tool. Now, part of that started with us saying about Ethernet stuff, and hey, you should have uh, you know angry IP, and you should carry on this Wi-Fi tool to understand what's going on with Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. But we found that people weren't carrying just even a tweaker. Not even a tweaker with just a flathead, let alone the one that could switch over into a Phillips. You know, come on, guys. If you're in the business and you're putting this stuff together, even if you're a programmer, you're going to need to screw something in once in a yep. while. Absolutely. You know, And you've got to be able to know what a continuity tester does to go, is my RX and TX going to the right place? Doop. Hey, look at that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Bill, is there something that, that Jason may have, may, may have mis- uh, mis-overlooked? May have overlooked... Uh, in his list of, of electrical things, it's Friday. I'm snowed mm. in. I'm tired. No, I, I think it was exactly right. I was wondering, you know, why wouldn't you have, you would have at least these nine things. And I guess it wasn't, you know, for me it was uh, like, you know, like George mentioned that it, it's not a, a must have. It's like if you don't have all these, what are you doing? Um, and, it is it is it is that type of 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 thing that um, I don't want to say we can can get lazy, or it can be downright dangerous because of with, without those those standards. So if 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 someone is going out and is going to touch electrical wires um, and know that's a part of the um, the project, and and don't have these tools. You know, Lord help you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and 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 so it it is. I I, I think it's a, a exactly it's a it's a it's a good list. It's it's kind of a common sense. You know, more of uh, a, a more of a, a list there. And, and 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 it's a shame that you know some people are going out with without them, or that they have to be told that you know don't leave home without them. Well, and it would be surprised. George talked about you know manufacturers training. One of the uh, thing in in the two of the of the half a dozen manufacturers training that I've been in uh, did something very simplistic, and they went through kind of you know a, a basic you know here's what you need to do 
analog. Here's what you need to do digital. Now, some of it was their stuff, but some of it wasn't. Some of it was simply a flathead. Some of it was simply a multimeter. They didn't care whose multimeter um, you bought because they didn't sell them at the time. I'm sure Crestron has one now. Um, <clears throat> sorry. I wouldn't but, doubt it. <laughs> yeah. They, pro they probably bought out Klein Tools, you know, because it's Randy's company. All right. Um, <laughs> there it is. Ooh, I'll be here all week. Um, so, yeah, sorry. Let's move on. Uh, the Google's <laughs> having retail stores so they can sell glass. Uh, George, my 60-year-old father, uh, came up to me the other day and said, Hey, have you heard about these Google goggle thingies? So I think they've hit the mainstream. Um, honestly, in, in all seriousness, uh, Google Glass is Google's next greatest uh, push, uh, their next big push. If you don't know what it is, it's a wearable computer, right? It's a it's a pair of glasses with a computer inside. Um, now, ostensibly, you would you would think that they would sell more than just um, these glasses, but uh, you know what? Who knows what they're what they're thinking? What what exactly do you think they're thinking when it comes to these retail stores? I'm thinking that they see a lot of people making money, like Apple and Microsoft, by selling in actual retail environments, brick and mortar, and they go, you know, we can do a little bit of that. I want some of that. Um, and they do have some product lines now that I don't think a lot of people really know that Google makes. I mean, there's Chromebook and there's the 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 phones and stuff that they can sell from third parties. Mm -hmm. They have a number of things that are supposedly coming down the pipe that they could start selling. I don't think they'll be equal to, say, Apple, but they've got stuff that I would go and say, yes, I want to see how a Chromebook works before I go and purchase it. And I want to say, okay, now turn the internet off and show me that they will, you know, I can actually still write a Word document. And he'll go, no, no, you can't. <laughs> um, but except for those little, you know, nuanced, I'll say, uh, m m failures, I think this is a good idea because brick and mortar still matters for at least the initial contact with the technology and with having your local person. Like, I love my Apple stuff, but I don't want to send it to Cupertine to get fixed. There's a place right down the street. I can make an appointment. They're going to fix it. I know the people. Yeah, I know they're retail kids, but still I quote unquote know the people and we, I can get it fixed and I can get it done and I don't have to wait three weeks for it to go there and back and get lost in UPS or whatever. So those kind of things still do matter. Would I go back? I don't know unless they were, if they were stagnant and that's all they started offering and it was just different colors, I'd probably just start ordering off of Google's site and be done with it. But if they keep innovating, it's, it's a darn good idea. Bill, is this kind of a weird little, I don't know, uh, it's, it's almost like opposite day where Google, the internet giant, is opening a brick-and-mortar store? Yeah, I was having a hard time. I, I read the article a couple of times, now, and I was like, am I really, what? <laughs> did, did I see something wrong? I mean, and I don't, I don't know. I don't want to offend any you know, Apple or oh, I've been people. people. That's a half half the point <laughs> um, of this show. It, it's like, do you do you want us? You know, do you want a competing store, the the Google store, and uh, you know, and every you know, there are people just hanging out there and and just you know, wear the glasses on and just touching stuff and just just meandering around. I I just didn't. I I don't think you're the those are the same type of people. Um, and are they going to have the the foot traffic 
um, a consistent level to support a, a brick, brick and mortar store um, that will, um, I, I guess, will survive. I, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know. I didn't get it, and I maybe it's just me and the day that I read it, and I and I still don't. I still don't get it, but it, it seems kind of an interesting way. But I thought everything was going virtual and online and everything, mm-hmm. and they're gone. You know, it's like Back to the Future, you know, you know, type of, of thing. And I just didn't see. Uh, I, I don't think it's a good idea. Well, the other thing is, <laughs> let, let let me give you my conspiracy theory. They needed a tax break. <laughs> <laughs> they needed a loss leader that they could write off. So yeah, but you can only do that for five years. So in five years, they'll close the stores. Well, you watch. You uh, watch. What okay. is this? Two thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Intel's going to buy Control Force. So. It wasn't Intel. It was Cisco, <laughs> and they still might. <laughs> Dang it! Uh, all right, let's wrap up with a couple of fun discussions. First of all, uh, my buddies over at BBC, and um, the reason I'm mentioning that is you'll see, uh, have written an article saying, "Have 3D films had their day?" Even though they're showing Doctor Who's 50th anniversary in 3D. But I digress. Uh, <laughs> um, basically saying, I- I'm really still bugged about the fact that Doctor Who's going to be in 3D. Um, 3D venue, uh, 3D revenue, rather, is falling. Uh, attendance is down. Honestly, the, the number of, of releases is actually down. Bill, have we moved beyond this? Um, this round, at least, uh, of of 3D uh, paranoia, or not paranoia, but 3D. Um, <laughs> I like that better. Yeah, paranoia. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I'll say it. 3D paranoia. Yeah, have we have we moved beyond this this round of 3D um, uh, stuff? I don't know. I in some cases, I think there is there has to be some, I guess, rebranding of 3D because the only, I mean, uh, the only time. That I, you know, when I think of, of 3D and my my kids and stuff, it's like 3D is stuff is coming at me. So there's only so many times I'm going to sit in a theater and someone's going to spit water at me, <laughs> or something's going to fly over my head like it's going to fly up my, and, you know, and it's just really is 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 that the only 3D experience that I'm going to pay an extra for? And it's you're running out of things, and then when you you know you do you know classics in 3D, what you know mm-hmm. you know why? And and so I think the paranoia is going away until or less it'll be rebrand, and we're you know okay now this is what 3D means. You're going you know it's. You know, it's going to be a part of you. I don't know. Um, it's just, it has to be something else. Or I, I think, you know, having the axe come at you, like you're, you know, if you're in a horror movie, you know, or, or something, that is, you know, all it is. And I think it's kind of, it's played itself out. George, uh, 3D, paranoia, go. <laughs> <laughs> just like, just freeform. Freeform. Um, you know, I, I I loved reading this title. You know that. Yes. Those who don't know me know. I just love 3D. Yeah, I do. I love. No, I don't. Um, well, here's the thing. Before you start that, um, our good friend Don Mead wrote a wonderful blog article. Good Lord. Probably a year, year and a half ago now about mm, the history yes. of 3D. This is not the first go around, which is kind of why I asked uh, Bill the, the question the way I did. 
But does nobody remember Vincent Price? Well, not just Vincent Price, but like back to the 20s or 30s. Yeah, the um, stereoscopic. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so are we, is this just kind of the, another, the, this round's uh, demise? I think we need to divide it, and I've sort of, I've matured in my th process of thought on 3D, which is for the home theater and for the home use and gaming, bunk. I don't think it's going to be much of anything, except for the thing that Microsoft was talking about, but we'll get, remind me to get back to that in just a second. Um, but for home and, f and, and small venue, I don't think it's really something that's of any value. For scientific, medical, for training, for specialty immersed environments that's where they're going to really succeed and anything else is just showing itself what's coming out in 3d it's kids movies it's these little cartoons that are lovely but no one really cares if they're 3d they're not they're going because that's all that's offered at the time that their kids are able to go to see the movie yeah i know my kids don't give a hoot if it's 3d or not they just want to watch the movie um Back to the Microsoft thing, they're talking about whole room projection, sort of immersive projection system, sort of like what we do here at World Stage, which is that sort of um, media mapping or that sort of uh, server and wall mapping stuff, where it can actually look at the room, map it, and then everything you do is sort of projected around you, and that becomes an immersive, quote unquote, 3D thing. That I can see working for gaming and for training and visualization stuff, but. You know, I'm not going to watch a movie with it thinking I'm right next to Gwyneth Paltrow in uh, uh, Great Expectations. Wow, that was the analogy you used, <laughs> Great Expectations? I was the first one I thought of. Wow. <laughs> we could, like, it's a long day. It's not snowing here, we but could, it was a long day. <laughs> this is I, lovely. I was wondering where that was going. <laughs> yeah, Great Expectations. <laughs> Good book. Yeah, sorry. All right, uh, last but not least from Gizmodo, because I think the, the Eric Limer, uh, who wrote the article, uh, had a deadline and just said, "Hey, let's let's think of this." The, the article was, "What's the best Wi-Fi network name you've ever seen?" Uh, mm -hmm. And beyond the uh, FBI surveillance van, which I saw more than once, um, the one that I I personally uh, got a kick out of was the Judean People's Front and the People's Front of Judea. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. <clears throat> That's a Monty <laughs> Python reference for those of you uh, in the middle of it now. Um. <sighs> So, George, what's uh, some of the ones that you um, either have seen or, or, or were, were chuckled by, uh, uh, by on this list? You know, I've seen um, articles like this in, in the past, and I've seen a few of these names come up again and again. But I feel so, I feel so boring, though, because, you know, I, I name them either after Greek gods or the planets, and, and that doesn't seem to be as exciting as these. Um, but I did see when I was in Boston, I was in Harvard, Harvard um, and in Boston, I saw in the where I guess where the dormitories are for, in both those locations. Someone who wrote free internet, complete with the apostrophes and the ones after it, um, which always made me suspicious. <laughs> free internet. It always seemed like a trap. Um, and then there, there was one when I was renting an apartment in Yonkers before I moved into my house, in which the 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 uh, name was Yonkers Solid Waste Depot Two. <laughs> And it's in the middle of a residential. I think they did it just to bug people out. Because I'm like, why would there be a solid waste depot here? Jeez. Oh, <laughs> All right, Mr. Brown, what's some of the best ones you've seen? Well, um, uh, mine is Sixburg, and it 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 says, um, you know, 
where I'm from and um, what is my football team. And so I thought I was being creative with that and let the, the neighborhood know that I was representing the Steeler Nation. Um, but mm. a couple of um, uh, uh, years ago, uh, we, we got a new neighbor and, and his um, we were trying to figure out, you know, you know, meet the neighbors, um, and his um, it popped up. Forget about it, and it was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, it's like, okay, do, you know, I think we know where where this guy is is from, or, yeah. or, or you know, or something, and and so I just we just saw we saw the um, the FBI surveillance van, and it 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 freaked us out. Uh, it freaked my wife out first, and then she was like, "They must be kidding," because she's looking, you know. But um, <laughs> I think more than more than anything on the list, I just I just got a a, a chuckle at it. It it and I have not been as creative as as, as you guys have have been in in this, and so it's uh it it was kind of a fun read. Yeah, uh, another really good one was uh, the uh, this this uh, reader's name. Uh, their their computer is named Major Tom and their Wi-Fi is named yes. Ground Control. So yes. right, that's, right. Yeah. That's, that's cool. I like that. That was also a very good. That's one, reaching so. back. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's still a good album, dude. Come on. Yes, uh, it is. All right, uh, that's gonna do it uh, for us this week. At least you know, at least for me. Uh, I'm going to go home and go back to bed now because apparently I need it. Uh, with us has been uh, Mr. George Tucker from World Stage. Uh, how can people get a hold of you, find you, uh, read the stuff that you write online, sir? I am Tucker Twos on Twitter. I am on all the social. I'm just a social media whore. So if it's out there, you'll find me there somewhere under Tucker Twos. Uh, I do some work for Technology Tell, and there are fabulous AV Nation shows that I am held part of, AV Social, Live Life, and DIY. Take a listen. All right. Thank you, sir. And also with us is the client technology advocate at BD Brown Communications. His name is Bill Brown. Uh, how can people find you, sir? Uh, people can find me with uh, on Twitter at Ideas for AV. Um, and I have a Facebook page of Ideas for AV. And the Ideas for AV is a, is a project an initiative to, to help uh, technology, uh, people in technology, kind of collaborate and work better to, to solve problems. So, so that is the um, um, what you'll see online, um, you know, under those two um, monikers. So, but um, uh, my email is billb at ideasforav.com. Uh, my name is Tim Albright, uh, TD Tim David Albright on the old Twitterverse. Uh, but more importantly for me and everybody here, please go by the website, avnation.tv. avnation.tv, you can find us there. You can find us on the, on Facebook, uh, Google, uh, Twitter, and every place else. Uh, also, check out, um, uh, I guess about a month or so ago, we started doing a show uh, for Infocom, which is, you know what? It, it's, I, 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 this is going to sound conceited, but I'm awfully impressed with it. And I'm not saying that because I do it because I don't. Uh, George, uh, it, actually, George has hosted more than I have at this point. Um, I'm very proud of them. Uh, so check them out if you would. Uh, there'll be a page on our website, but also on Infocoms as well. The one that was released this week was one that George, in fact, uh, hosted on uh, actually um, uh, AV. IT for AV. I, I was going to say AV for IT networks, but uh, yeah, AV, uh, IT for AV. So You've got your IT in my AV. I no, do. No, no, no. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, check that out if you would. <laughs> it's called Infocom Today. Uh, go by uh, iTunes and you can check it out there. And 
like I said, also on Infocom's website and ours as well. Uh, so thank you much, so much for listening. Uh, that's all the time we have for AV Week. Oh, my God.